All right, friends, welcome back to another Fake Nerd Book Club. We're here to get sex bombed. We're here to get our evil exes on. Uh, we're talking Scott Pilgrim. We're finally doing some book club discussions on Scott Pilgrim. We're talking about volume one, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, and volume two, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, I've seen that movie. We are awesome. for this, but we'll get him at a later date. Uh, for the rest of the the books, um, everybody's read these before. Yes. Oh yeah. These two. Yeah. These so this two, is a yeah. this is a reread. I mean, it's been literally. I know you and I, Ben. Ben and I are, I've probably turned the pages on Scott Pilgrim many times. Um, yeah. It's been over a decade at this point. Understood. Got you. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the first time I the first time I ever read Scott Pilgrim, it was because a friend of the show, Jeff. Jeff had the black and white volumes. Yeah, yeah. And I was at his house, and through one weekend, I just blazed through all six of them. And then when the hardcover started coming out at Barnes & Noble, and I moved out of my parents' house, I started buying them myself. So, yeah. yeah. I got my copies. Uh, I'd read the first volume from a friend and meant to pick up the series and then hadn't. And then I went hard and picked up, like, all the first four uh, while I was at San Diego Comic Con for the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World premiere, um, nice. so I was that was I was in it. I was in it to win it. I saw the movie first, mm -hmm. and I was like, I should check these out. And then the 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 newer editions were coming out. Again, this was also still like a decade ago, though. Uh, uh, and I read the first four because I was all oh, that was available at my Barnes and Noble or whatever. So I never I never finished it. Uh, so I'll, I'll about so this. I'll get there eventually. Yeah, I. I remember the first time I ever watched Scott Pilgrim, like the movie. I want to see it in theaters. I miss it in theaters. It wasn't until I was getting my first tattoo done. My mm. tattoo artist had a bunch of DVDs and movies, and he would put them on for people to watch. So, you know, you could get your... This was my first tattoo. I almost fainted on my first tattoo because I wasn't breathing because, you know, first oh. tattoo, it hurts. Yeah. And, yeah, we put on Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and I loved it. I saw four, I, four times in theaters, and I dragged. I remember specifically, I dragged my friends to see it because I'm like, "Y'all, you, have you heard of this shit? You see this shit? Hell yeah!" <laughs> that movie bombed, unfortunately, but uh, it but, was a big bummer yeah. that it bombed. Uh, that is a shocking uh, way for you to hear you saw this movie for the first time, Ben. Um, yeah, truly, truly <laughs> uh, stunning. I'm sure we'll talk about that more on our cinephiles review of that movie. Anyway, um, we will. Yeah, let me let me cover real quick. Uh, written and drawn by Brian Lee O'Malley. As Ben alluded to uh, earlier, when the volumes were first published, it was black and white. Uh, it was later that they came out in color. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to go through uh, these volumes and have a full discussion about it. I'm super and excited. The color, yeah, yeah, I was about to say the colorist is Nathan Fairbairn. Yeah, Fairbairn. Sure. Yeah, Fairbairn. I think because there's an I in between the last A and R, so I hope it's fair, Baron. R Baron. Hmm. The colors really pop. Yeah, like like the colors having only only red. Like I've seen I've seen the original black and white, but like having only red actually the uh, colored versions. Like the colors look great. It's a gorgeous book. I I gotta say, like uh, in that note, like when I first read Scott Pilgrim and the colors were only in like certain inserts and cover pieces and things like that. Yeah, but most of it's black and white. Um, once I read the colored version later, I was like, this is exactly what I saw. 
Yeah. Like, I was like, this is like somehow Brian Lee O'Malley conveyed the world in just the right way where like the colors are exactly what I expect them to be. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it was definitely a few years in between when I read the black and white version to the colored version. But I do remember when I did pick up my, the first volume of the colored version, I liked it a lot more. <laughs> black, and this is coming from someone who used to be an avid manga reader. Manga reader, I, I am all for black and white. I am one hundred percent all in on black and white. I love the, I love black and white. Um, but I don't know. Just I felt with Scott Pilgrim. I don't know. If it's just because it was because this was my volume or this was like my like copy. It felt like yeah colors colors are great i really i really like that there's the color i'll be honest i haven't reread all of them in the colored editions but i've reread the series multiple times in the black and white um the black and white always served me like i was yep. i was always happy with it like mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not upset to have the color versions at all they're they're gorgeous i really like them the colors like you said pop very well um yeah. But the but the black and white had the uh, not not so much manga feel I guess but like the the indie the really small indie comic feel to me of um, yeah. like when we read um, uh, kind of like Essex County I know that's not all black and white but like it's it's a loose right. color palette yeah, yeah. right <clears throat> oh yeah and I think like uh, like The Walking Dead is a comic that was in black and white which totally serves its right. purpose like The Walking Dead is a mm -hmm. is a really gray world already you know, being the apocalypse, but they're now, mm -hmm. now releasing a colored version. And I, I'm completely fine with that. But like Scott Pilgrim really pops. Cause like there, it is a really colorful book, even when it's black and white, the walking dead, like it's, it's, you know, this is not me disrespecting the book whatsoever, For but sure. like it's, it, it didn't feel as necessary as like, Oh man, Scott Pilgrim. Like it's almost like a new book, like in a way. Cause like this, like the colors are so, yeah. it's so rich. It's a very rich book. Uh, with oh, colors too. I think, I think for me, it's just cool. So you can see Ramona's different hair colors. But that's just, I mean, I I know in the black and white version, there's the different shades and there's like different, like, you know, it's a different shades and they do. And Brian Lee O'Malley does great things with to convey that Ramona changed her hair color again. But it's just nice to see the hair colors, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So Although, let's get I, it. I, sorry, real yeah. quick, but I do want to stress whether you read Scott Pilgrim black and white or in color, you're still getting a great story. Oh, yeah. It's still a great time. I'm not. This isn't me saying only read the color version and don't read the black and white version. Read whatever you want or whatever you got. Because I want to admit, like this, this one is a little more expensive than the black and white version. So, but not that bad. Like for for honestly, for eh, it's, not that bad. it's not like it's a long running series. Um, right. I I I. You brought up manga earlier, and I desperately wish like because uh, manga is black and white because of the fast turnaround in it. That's the large yeah. reason why. Like. A lot of those would be gorgeous. It's one of the reasons why the animes are so successful. Generally, is you get to see it in color, yeah, and you really don't get that a lot. Um, Dragon Ball Z had a really great color initiative taken to it that stopped like mid trunks, and I was really sad. Actually, I I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's it, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous to see it in color, and it didn't make it all the way through. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. For anyone who's only seen the film, this is going to sound super familiar to you. Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. Yeah. Um, and that's where we begin the story. Exactly <laughs> like the film. In fact, the first volume, a lot of the movie. Boy, howdy, uh, having not reread this in like a decade. This was one of the reasons I wasn't too worried about it when Ben said it, because I'm like, yeah, you're going to skim through the vo first volume pretty quick. Uh, that first volume is almost verbatim the movie. Yeah. And like that's that just the goes to show one, it's a good book and it's yeah. easily adaptable. But also like it's a really it's just a really great adaptation of the movie. Again, I'm not gonna try to talk about the movie so much, but holy crap, as someone who's like memorized that movie, 
this volume one is like, I know that line. 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 It's like, it, they really, they really got it. And really volume two is the, is the first time it really starts to change a little bit. Um, a lot of backstory stuff, but volume one is like, damn, that's, that's just, that's that movie yeah. almost like, almost like verbatim. It's crazy. And I think that's really representational of like Brian Lee O'Malley establishes so clearly and cleanly all the characters, the world, what you're getting. Like it was so, it, he got it so right. Yeah. That first time the movie had the exact template. Like, why would you deviate from these introductions? It's so sharp, sharply written. There's like, you don't need to write your own lines because like this book is like, this book is going to be funny for all time. Yeah. Like this is like a book that'll like, that'll live on forever. Cause like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like dated or anything except for obviously some very specific time period stuff. Uh, like it feels very classic and like, just really, really, really well written. Well, well written. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Ben, uh, general thoughts, volume one. Uh, volume one. It, I'm trying. I'm just trying to think because you're, you guys are absolutely right. This is very much like the movie, and also I recently finished the the Netflix series, which we will talk about here on the show eventually. Um, and that first volume is just like the first episode, and things don't start changing until volume two. Oddly enough, when I was reading, I don't, I don't want to say this. This is a bad thing on volume one. But when I was reading volume one, I was like, okay, yeah, I've been here before. I've done this before. But when I got to volume two, that's when I was like, I kind of woke up a little bit more. I was, it's not like volume one was putting me to sleep. It wasn't. It, I was just more engaged when I picked up and started reading volume two than when I was reading from volume one. Because I feel volume one is something that we see quite a bit. It's kind of like when you're, you're picking up uh, a Sonic the Hedgehog game and they throw you in Green Hill Zone. And you're like, oh. we know. We get well, sure. it. We've seen before. before the movie. But this is the that's not. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I know what you're saying because yeah. like your your exposure and and everything to it. But like when the book first comes out, this is incredible. Like this this first right. book is why the movie is good. Is why the show is good. Is is why mm -hmm. all of it's good. Is because this first volume is so tight, so smart, so funny. It's a blueprint. Uh, it's 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 amazing. Um. Yeah. The book itself is great. I absolutely love this book. To be perfect. Uh, go, going into some some specifics that that I really spotlight is uh I really like um the establishment of Stacy mm -hmm. as Scott's sister in this. I think I think in volume one you get a lot of really good uh there's almost the paneling for the page in particular I'm thinking of is like you kind of get a sense that Scott is only honest about himself and like doesn't like it with Stacy. Yeah, yeah. Um because the way that she asks him why are you doing this and he's like I I don't know, it's just nice. You know, it's just simple and he's like covering his face and there's like there's a disappointment with himself. Yes. in having to really talk through what he's doing and it it does feel like with his sister she's the only person and this will come up more in the books uh that Scott kind of bears his his full not acknowledgement of who he knows he is yeah uh something ha you know having read it so long ago and seen the movie so many times um it's got so much a bigger dirtbag in this than the movie oh 100 like yeah. so much 100%. more like so much more admitting <laughs> to like what he's doing and i'm like man like it this book is so interesting because it's not often you have like your main character be the worst character in the book that's so interesting. And I see why people are like, wait, like, wait, are we supposed to like Scott Pilgrim? I'm like, no, not really. The whole thing is about him gr hopefully growing out of this, like being this shitty 20 something, uh, this, this like 
not entitled, but like, man, just like you've all, we've all met those guys, like you know, who are who out of high school and they're trying to and they're coasting through life. They don't not sure what to do. They might be dating a teenager, uh, and it's just like, oh wow, you're a dirtbag. Uh, and it's so interesting to have it be our main character. And I think a lot of people push up against whether they've read it or not, or the movie, like they, they only know that, Oh, Scott, that Scott, that Scott Pilgrim's daddy, a teenager. And I'm like, that's kind of like the point. And like, it's really interesting to have a like gross protagonist that we get to grow with. Um, yeah. And it's, it's like, it's really cool uh, in a, in a weird way. Cause like you, you slowly start to see his growth little, like a tiny bit in the, in the, in the first two volumes, but he's still like, Man, you got to figure yourself out, Scott. Everyone's telling yeah, yeah. you that you're a dirtbag, you're the scum of the earth. It's it's, it's very it's. I, I'm really glad you put it that way because like not not to go into the movie too much, but like by comparison, like as we said, Volume One very much a similar template to the film. Mm -hmm. But it's striking to me how much the framing, the imagery, and like the line delivery in the movie versus what you read here feels so much more like it's hitting you clearer. With yeah. Scott sucks. And in the movie, I think it's a little more like, oh gosh, Michael, Sarah, you you are stirring what up damn shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here it's like, oh, Scott's like a bad person. He's legitimately just yeah. like a, a bad person. And I like that we get so much more. It's not a lot more, but we do get more about Knives and her family. And yeah. and it, again, it is such a great adaptation, the movie, but the book really just like lets you live in it a little bit more. And there's a couple more lines that are taken out of the movie that just like solidify that like, yeah, this guy's a dirtbag. A perfect example of what you're talking about, if I may, is um, this bit where he's going out with knives. And this is when things are, are good from Scott's perspective. Like, oh yeah, I'm enjoying this, whatever. Um, and they're looking at clothing items at, at the bargain place. And he, she's like, hmm, this is actually pretty cute. Too bad it's winter. He says, hey, Spring's around the corner, try it on. She's like, no, no, I mean, I mean, it's not like I'd buy it. And she's super embarrassed and everything. And like the read in her face is clearly like, she's blushing Scott. She wants Scott to buy it for her. And Scott's, as you said. Oblivious. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Same yeah, page. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Scott's not a person who's done the things he needs to do to be responsible enough that he can provide that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he's he's egging her into this with no intent on, like, doing anything for her. He's yeah. just like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, enjoy it. And she's like, no, I couldn't. I can't buy it. So, like. The, the fake, like, <laughs> Scott, you need to dump your fake high school girlfriend thing is, like, so much more real in this. Because, oh, yeah. like, he's not even treating her like a girlfriend. He's treating her like, almost like a pet. We're like. Yeah, it's just nice, you know, to have someone where it's drama free. I don't have to think about it, but like, she's also a person's guy. We'll we'll get into yeah. volume two, um, but like the the timing of when he tells knives in the books versus in the movie. Yeah, I do think it's moved up just to like, I don't think they had quite the faith that you would follow the like the movie if you dislike Scott as much as you do. Yeah, even though it's like really, really getting close to what the books are doing. Like, there's something about the the timing because it's after it's after the second time that he and Ramona are like really together. Yeah. That he finally goes and uh dumps her. Yeah. They, well, that's getting into volume two stuff. Yeah, but yeah. like yeah. I think that really no, striking. No, also I wanted to talk about this moment. Like it was it's right after the the part Sparks mentions where they're at the Goodwill and they're shopping. Uh Scott shows knives his um his childhood home. And he's like this is where all it happened and she's yeah, like it's so pretty idea. and he and he instantly just goes I'll uh I walk you to the bus stop and the next page <clears throat> is him seeing Ramona in his dream again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, if you're not going to talk to your quote unquote bleh, girlfriend, bleh, yeah. then freaking why are you with her? I mean, this is, 
this isn't a, this is a key thing. I'm really glad that you're bringing this up, uh, uh, Ben, because I, I would have also. Uh, this is the first time that we see this behavior from Scott, where like he'll start to talk about something from his past, his life, and then he'll be like, "I really don't want to do that," and he'll change the subject or he'll just move away from it and yeah. get distracted by something else on purpose. And he's going to do this multiple times throughout these books about all kinds of things. Um, but I do yeah. think it's interesting. There is something like the movie has no room for this, but like if if you're not familiar with the books and this is your first exposure, I highly encourage you read them. But um, what happens in the books is you get a lot more of this built-in idea of like something's off about Scott's relationship with his parents. And like, yeah, it's never, I'll, I'll tell you like they never 100% go there with him about it because I don't think the story is really about that. Yeah. But there's some, there's something Scott's bitter about his, about his parents over. Well, they're, they're gallivanting in Europe right. while he is in between jobs and broke. So meaning they got money but he doesn't. So there's some, there's something there they don't really go into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, but and, there's a, but there's even like in this, there's a, there's like a sadness in like, no, they left, they sold the, the, the house that I used to live in, which yeah. like he, he likes or he wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, I think there's also, oh, yeah. sorry. I, I don't want to, I don't know if we're, we, so I know we're doing both volume one and volume two, but I really think that the a huge problem from his parents, you can kind of see it into volume two. And it's the it's one of the montage scenes because one thing that one of the things I do love about Volume Two is how we get more into like Scott's history. Like we see him as his first. The first chapter is him in his new high school, where he meets Lisa and he gets in his first fight when he tra- when he goes into his transfer schools, and then he meets Lisa. He meets Cam. The band Sonic and Knuckles gets formed, and then auto- almost instantly is a silent like four pages with Kim just talking to Scott saying him moving to Toronto and him looking super sad and looking back at Kim. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say that that's part of why he's so mad at his parents is because he had something great in his old school and then his parents just up and moved him away. Yeah. There's something interesting here too, about um, that Kim will get into it, but like we are in Toronto now, which means Kim follows yeah. Scott. Um, and like, that's going to, that's going to be character stuff for them later. But like, you're right. Like it's also, there's also kind of an idea there that this was pre Scott being really shitty with girls. Like it's, it's, he's obviously like oblivious about Lisa. Yeah. 100%. I do remember later, but he's not the actively shitty person that he is at the current time period. And so like, there is kind of this implication, like Kim is, Kim is in many ways, the one person that Scott, the one girl that Scott hurt that he like didn't handle it well in talking to her about it. And like stuff will come up about that. But Scott didn't break this off. Scott against his will is taken away yeah. by his parents. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that's, that is, you're, you're right, Ben, but you, you know where this is going. So like, but that is crucial. Um, yeah. That that's, that, that's mean, a part it, of what it is, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but you're right to bring that up because like it is his parents his parents taking him away, moving him around the place and then taking him to Toronto where it's, it's shown that he didn't want to do it to begin with. Mm-hmm. And now they've mm-hmm. left him there. Like he's just there now. Um, and he doesn't have where, where they moved to as a house. He, his parents aren't there. He's got his sister. Uh, there's also the, the, there's also the scene where um, he's on the phone with his parents, where to go, where to go, where to go, where to go. Oh, yes, here it is. in volume two, where yeah. he's talking. They're yeah, in Rome. He's the talking. Ro- the yeah. Romans. He's talking while Ramona's there. Yeah, and they're just all interested in the trip. And they're like, 
oh, you'll get you'll get something going, Scott. You'll get a girlfriend or something, you know. Is she? It, uh, it's it's, a, it's dad. Is she cute? Ask if she's cute. There is an amount where like, if you really want to put a like hard deep read into it, Scott's parents don't know how to properly love him, which is part of why Scott doesn't know how to properly love anybody, including yeah. himself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely put that read into it, and like Stacy, Stacy to her credit, not only seems to understand that 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 her parents are like that, but understand how it's affected Scott in a way that it didn't affect her. Yeah. Like, she acknowledges that their parents are kind of shitty. It just doesn't live with her the same way it lives with Scott. She, what mm-hmm. I like, uh, uh, she is, she is like four years younger, but she is like way more emotionally. She even calls herself the older sister. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that's like yeah. a running joke. She's like, she's like more emotionally uh, uh, intelligent than he is. Uh, despite, you know, yeah. being like a teenager, being like into like, you know, like drama and blah, 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 blah. Like she handles things and the way she talks about things there's a, a little more delicate than Scott handled it. Yeah, just a bit. Um, I really like the, uh, just like speaking from a, a book perspective, the, the world building concept, um, Ramona's explanation of the subspace highway. This was the stuff where like, you're, you're in the first volume, you're just kind of figuring out the world. She's like, oh yeah, there's just like this super convenient thing it goes right through your head i guess you guys don't have them and can't you like, don't have you, it up here you don't really you don't teach it it's not that you don't have it you don't you don't like yeah. teach it that's why no one knows how to use it um and she's like that's why it's always so empty uh <laughs> I, which i think is really funny and like it doesn't need more explanation than that but yeah. it's one of those things that starts building up the world into like the kind of wacky kooky thing it is one yeah. thing i really like about uh, uh this book is how like it breaks the fourth wall, but not in a way where it's like Deadpool like looks at the camera. It's like, oh, you want to know more about that? Read it in the next volume. And I'm just like, that's just really funny. It's yeah. just that happens a couple yeah. times. Maybe, that, maybe that'll happen in volume three. Well, yeah. and like it's that kind of thing. So it's it's double layer, right? So like one thing is when Scott says things like that, where mm-hmm. he's like, uh, so we'll get into that backstory later. So like in volume three, he's like, uh, maybe volume five for that one. Kim, uh, and, Kim and, and then he's talking to Kim about something. And he's like, oh, Kim, you should just read the book. You should just read the book. And that's really but good. There's, but there's right, Scott lives right on that level where he's so like, passive about like getting into details yeah but that feels like a way he can also just talk yeah and what i was gonna say is like the other way that it's like doing the fourth wall stuff is you've got your omniscient narrator guide who details things in the world for you so like tells you like uh, age of scott and things like that or, or like wallace yeah. when they break down scott and wallace's apartment right uh and it's like this is wallace's this is wallace's this is scott wearing wallace's socks i was gonna bring it out one. that's my favorite one it's wallace's <laughs> yeah. socks on scott it's scott's toothbrush which wallace bought yeah, <laughs> yeah that's really really good yeah I, it's that kind of stuff that also like really fleshes out the world and like you've got your omniscient narrator who's also who will tell you flat out like scott's full of shit right here yeah. <laughs> um, also yeah. and i love that they don't go into bigger into more detail but like oh yeah scott's the best fighter in the province like Okay. Yes. What? what no, how? I, why? I love, sure. I, I love that. Like again, going to that world building thing. Like that was one of my favorite things that that uh, I kind of wish was in the movie. Is like once once Matthew Patel shows up, Scott just like blocks him, gets into the fight. Sixty four like, hit combo, and they're just like, man, is this guy crazy? Scott's like the best fighter in the province, which really says something because like it's the only thing anybody thinks is cool about Scott. Yeah. Like notably, you're hearing it from Kim, who has shit on Scott the entire time up to this point. Yeah. And she's like, well, Scott is the best fighter. Like he just that's true. <laughs> like it, it really like mm-hmm. I think it orients the whole fight concept as like a thing that happens often in the world, right? Like, like put yourself in the Scott Pilgrim world, like these kinds of things come up a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more like acceptance and acknowledgement right out of the gate of it. And there's an acknowledgement that like Scott's not just like suddenly uh taking on these guys and learning how to to handle himself scott's been a good fighter in the terms of like how the world operates before yeah uh that's his one established like 
yeah, he's good at that. And we get, we do, we do get a little bit in volume two in, in his, uh, like his quote unquote, like origin of how, like, you know, him in high school and yes. stuff. And he'd go in and go rescue, rescue Kim from the evil high school. Like, yeah, after. I, I really, I really love uh, that. We will get into that. Um, sticking to volume one, just a little bit more. Uh, everything, pretty much everything about Ramona and Scott coming together is, is one for one to the film. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because it's written genius. Uh, just g genius uh, craftsmanship here. Um, I like even more the bit when he's looking for Ramona at the party. He's like, have you seen a girl with hair like this? Like, her hair's just like this. Do you know who that is? And it's like, oh, you mean Ramona Flowers? Again, I love uh, the, the Comeo, whatever that guy's name is. Like, yeah, I know everybody. Do you know this girl from this one description? Oh, you mean Ramona? Like, that's just really funny. Uh, it's it's great. Um, there's a great, I, I put out, there's a great young Neil joke where, um, yes, I think I know which exactly which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, this one. one. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, oh, guys needs to come. She's our biggest fan. And then young, young, young Neil trying. gets up and he's <laughs> like, oh, other than you, Neil. Oh. I love, uh, one of the things is I, I really like Neil in the movie. I like the actor they got for him. I love Neil here. I think yeah. Neil's such a nice little addition to, to the cast. Yeah. Uh, he's wonderful. We get a really lovely spotlight flashback. It's one of the only times we'll see an image from this time period this way. Uh, oh, with Natalie. Of when Natalie was lead singer in the band yeah. when Scott's having a dream um, before mm -hmm. she turns all Envy, which I really yep. like. Hey, the build-up build to Envy in both books is really good. Yeah. Uh, I oh, think yeah. they do a really good job keeping that uh, around. Um, going back to when Matthew Patel shows up, I also really like that everybody just jumps into a stance with Scott. Uh, it feels like it like turns just, into like a Bollywood movie. Yeah, it just like. turns into it turns yeah. into like yes, we assume the positions. Yeah, uh, like this is again like I kind of like the comics interpretation of this is just a part of the way the world works. Yeah, is that sometimes you get like a big beef going, and this is how the beef gets settled. Yeah. Um. Again, like kind of talking how when we we talk Mortal Kombat, and it's like you settle your conflicts through through like hard, brutal tournaments. Absolutely. Oh, like, you, you got you, someone stepped on your foot. Now it's time to kick their ass and, yeah, and yeah. destroy them. That's yeah. just that's just the law of the land, and the law of the land here is like that these fights sometimes happen. Yeah, uh, which I think is great. It's like this old um, this old Japanese samurai legend that I heard, or I don't know if it was a legend. I think it used to be a custom back in uh, feudal times. But if like two watering swordsmen are are walking past and their swords instantly and their swords for some reason touch, then it's it's like, well, we have to fight. It's like no stopping. It's like if their swords touch and if their swords touch, they have to fight. There's no getting out of it. Right. That just seems dangerous. Just don't just walk just be careful. Don't touch swords. It was feudal Japan. It was very dangerous back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love uh Crash and the Boys. Uh, I forgot that they make everybody uh, knock. This they is, knock everyone out with their. I love. Phone. I love when they're talking about it in the back room. And it's like, uh, and then they. It's like I've seen this number. It just like makes the audience unconscious for twenty minutes. We're playing next. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen. We're playing next. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I love that. I think that's really really cool. Yeah. Um, um, or when like when uh they're or when they or when uh what you call it? Wasp is heckling them, and the and the drummer is just flipping them off. Hmm. Yes. It's like okay, this oh, is yeah, for the guy who keeps yelling at us in the balcony. Yeah. It's this song is called "We Hate You." Please die. Yeah. Uh, I, there's uh, Scott hates. I think this isn't a volume two. Sorry, but it came up. But um, Scott like hates. Like, oh, you hate every bass player, Scott. Oh no, maybe it is volume one. Uh, he, I hate every bass player. And then Kim finds out that the drums are girls. She's like, I hate that girl. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, everybody yeah. hates everybody. That's that's opposed to them in the same league. That's funny. Um, when Scott brings up Gideon at the end of volume one. 
uh, Ramona gets these lines around her head, her like spider sense tingle yes, thing going on. Anime lines. But you realize that Scott can kind of see that there's a look to this. What's what's on your head? And he tries to ask questions about it after they've just said they were dating and smiling. And, she, and he's like, do you still want to go out with me? And she's like, yes. Yes. It feels like super, yeah, super weird and uncomfortable yeah. about it, uh, which is such a, I think a solid like volume one note. Again, like also uh, uh, just like the, uh, envy buildup stuff is very good in this volume. So is the Gideon buildup. You're getting Gideon stuff uh, early on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, all the I stuff. Just, that, I, uh... I just took so many pictures of like lines that I love it on my. Yeah, these yeah. are also in the movie. Um, yeah. you guys, it's just, it's so, are you guys so, familiar? It is so well written. It's crazy. It, it is. Are you guys familiar with the YouTuber comic Drake? I know I've mentioned him on the show a few times before. Yeah, I am. I watch him. Oh uh, no, because he had a he put out a video recently about Scott Pilgrim. He reread the Scott Pilgrim stuff in conjunction with the show, and I'm and rereading this now as like an adult, someone who knows the story forward and backward, but who's now able to pick up more on like little subtle cues that maybe Brian Lee O'Malley was trying to put in. It's a it's a trip, because when I first read it, I was in my twenties. Now in my thirties, and it, I don't want to say it's a different read, but you definitely pick up on a whole lot more stuff. Like um, there's a scene in Volume One where Knives comes to Scott's house, and they go out on a on an air quotes date, and the whole time Knives is talking, and Scott just doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just like, oh uh, yeah, it's like wow, Scott. Yeah, you like a lot of times I read this book, I'm like, wow, Scott, you suck. Yeah, every subsequent time I, whether I watched the movie or read the book, you know, a decade ago, and now, you know, I'm in my 30s, I'm like, man, like, people suck when they're in their 20s, man, really, like, (laughs) being, being young uh, is tough, but like, being young and mean is awful. Uh, uh, Nyes, yeah. Nyes is so great. Uh, she's she's a lovely she's a lovely kid, a lovely person. Uh, and like her becoming like a psycho ninja lady is really funny, but it's also like really sad because like S- Scott sucks and like girl, you deserve so much better than that. Right. Oh oh yeah. Like in volume two, when she uh, brings her friend over, and then when she realizes that Scott was cheating on her, on her with Ramona, I'm just like Nyes, just just bail. Just run away. Just don't look back. Her, just leave him. Just, just stop. Yeah. Your yeah. friend, her friend's like, are you sure? Was he two timing you? And I was like, no, he's the sweetest guy ever. He would never do that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, girl. Okay. Uh, we'll, Go dye your hair. We'll switch over and get into volume two because uh, I, I do think volume one is like, it's hard to not uh, just get into everything that's in the movie uh, to an extent. It's uh, just to go, one last note I have on it is uh, just as a first volume book, much to Ben's point. It's very clear from the first volume that um, it's not a shallow read. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of depth to the text here. And Brian Lee O'Malley is trying to set up a lot and do a lot. And like, uh, even though I'm pretty sure they've that he's talked about, like, he didn't have like everything in his head of where it was going to go from the jump. Um, he clearly had like certain intentions and character arcs that he knew the large beats of. And he builds them from the beginning and they follow all the way through. Uh, Certainly like a lot of stuff with Kim and Scott um, that doesn't come around till like volume five, volume six. Um, Those things were baked in here very clearly uh, from, from volume one, volume two. Uh, And I, I do think like you just feel this sense of a deep richness Mm -hmm. to the world, to the characters, to the text itself. I Um, I don't know if you guys checked it out, but um, the behind the scenes stuff at the end of these volumes are really great. And they go into full, full depth about like, yo, Brian Lee O'Malley was a young kid in Toronto who did half of the same shit. I don't, he he didn't say he dated a teenager, but basically everything else, like 
this was his life. Yeah. Like being on the bus, being poor, living in like a weird place with his friend with one bed, uh, uh, him loving the X-Men and being a music nerd. Like this is so, uh, this is so like a Brian Lee O'Malley book. Uh, and like once you like read like about him, I'm like, man, like you put like your whole self into this book. And it's really, it's really great. Like, uh, it feels like a really authentic, like an authentic also Canadian book, which is, which is, which is yeah. cool. Uh, going into volume two, right off the jump, we get heavy duty lore flashback stuff with Scott. Yeah, I forgot all and this stuff. a girl named Lisa. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know who Lisa is. I completely forgot. No uh, idea. And and Kim, um, which I think is great. Uh, so obviously, like from from the beat of meeting Lisa after he got into like a big fight thing, Lisa just kind of inserts herself into Scott's life. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely like the read you can get there where she likes Scott and Scott just seems to be like oblivious oblivious and and to the degree where he's quite rude to her constantly, like telling her to kind of get out of his life. Yeah. And it it leads to what I think is a really good page, which is where she's just sitting in front of a tree with a leaf and Scott goes by and he notices and says, Hey, and sits with her. And she's like, do you hate me? And I think that's a very good, like, as I said earlier, like Scott hadn't quite become the bad apple that he is uh, in the majority of the story here. But like Scott felt like he could just totally miss what was going on with other people. Like he's very, very non empathetic. Yes. Uh, Like there's like, the scene where Lisa shows up at his house when he's in the basement playing video games. Yeah. And he doesn't even look her direction. He just constantly staring at the TV saying, no, we can't be friends. It's like, we, it's like, don't do this. We don't have lemonade. We just have iced tea. And Lisa, you know, obviously she's thing. she, she has a thing for him, but at the same time, like Scott, like he's oblivious. I know we've all had those times where we, where like years later we're just doing some random task and all of a sudden our brain just goes oh crap that one girl from that one time was flirting with me and i had no idea sure yeah and yeah even just going in through the like through the book where he's talking with lisa and then he meets kim it's like this okay so scott was a bit of a dirt of a jerk but then he and lisa actually do form this band and after i guess after that talk where lisa asked if he hated him if she he hated her he kind of lightens up a little bit they're yeah. chill yeah, he starts he starts being her friend, but like I think it's really it's really smart and important that uh, uh Brian Lee O'Malley puts that page there. It, I think it really shows like the unintentional isolation Scott creates around him uh yeah. for others who are just trying to connect with him. Yeah. Um like even if you put aside like a romantic interest that that it does seem Lisa has at this point in time for Scott, even if she just wanted to be his friend, like Scott is quite like rude out and, and he's like ambivalent and like to the whole situation yeah and and to further go on that like uh he gets shit from his parents about is she your girlfriend kind of thing and it immediately cuts from that conversation to him uh hanging out with her in a parking lot and she says they don't want you hanging out with girls what are they five uh and that's not true that's not what the parents were saying yeah, at all yeah. they were just giving him shit and scott doesn't want to get it so he makes up this lie so that lisa won't be around his parents anymore what a what a mm-hmm. lame <laughs> Man, yeah. I, after reading that, I'm like, geez, like this is like this is the start of man. Scott Pilgrim is a is, is a dirtbag. I mean, one thing I can't believe I'm going to say this, but to give Scott like a tiny little bit of credit is after him and Kim do like get together, he's mm-hmm. not putting his other friends away. Like there's this, like there's this tiny little montage of all of them hanging out. It's yeah. um him, Lisa, Kim, and I think Lauren is the other girl. 
yeah. and they're playing video games. Scott and Kim got an A on their presentation. They all formed the band together. They're, and while Scott and Kim are doing like couple stuff, they aren't putting their friends on the outside. It's not until he moves away to Toronto where that all ends. Right. And I do think it's notable that like Brian Lee O'Malley clearly puts like Kim's friend who meets Scott, like the first time she meets him, it's a short hello. She's got an eyebrow raise. Like she doesn't trust Scott. Yeah. For one reason or another. Uh, and I think there's also just before that, when Lisa and Scott are finally hanging out and like they're, they're playing on instruments together. Um, Lisa says, you know how I'm not a goth and you're not a jock. And Scott's like, I, I am such a jock. <laughs> and it really like contextualizes that like, yeah, Scott just says stupid things, but Scott means that. Like he thinks of himself that way. That's who that's why he thinks he could treat Lisa the way he treated her. Scott thinks he's the shit, especially because like we all know Scott's the best fighter in the province. So yeah. uh Scott's a really good fighter. He does think he's got a lot of shit under his belt, especially because like the moment that they take Kim, like Scott jumps into action and he kicks everyone's ass. Yeah. And it's like He's he he's not really good at connecting with people, but he is good at using his fists. So like any opportunity, to, like like it seems like he will fight a dude because he's really good at it too. And like oh, I get to go do something and like look like a hero. Hell yeah! And then of course Kim falls falls for him. He's such like, a he's such mm-hmm. a hyper masculine hero that's like closing it on self. He he's so so afraid of real emotion. Yeah, like he mm-hmm. runs from it at every opportunity. Um, I do love the whole bit of him going after Simon. Uh, and getting to him and and Kim just being like Scott, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you can you help me? He does this big like Johnny Cage like punch that like shows like him like phasing or like going and, really fast. And Simon like goes partway around the earth, which is what the line they reference in the movie where they say like uh, he, it's it's supposed to be in the movie Scott just saying it to sh- shut up the comparison to Ramona's boyfriends and all that. Yeah, he says like I had to fight like a hundred guys to get to him because he kidnapped Kim, and then I kicked him around the curvature of the earth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, it, I think that's at least a cute acknowledgement of the the story you have here, which is uh, far more uh, deep for the Kim and Scott relationship that that comes from it. Yeah, Sonic and Knuckles, you loved it, Ben. Of course Sonic. I did. Hell yeah! Uh, every time there's a every time there's a Sonic reference. Also earlier, I I did take a picture just for Ben. There is the part when Lisa comes down. The video game that Scott is playing is clearly Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, yeah. Because you see his little his, his little red but not not blue red yeah. uh, image, but it's clearly in the hedgehog shape with the rings around. And I was like, "There's Sonic." Yeah. Is this the volume where also yeah. like where he where like he calls Wallace or something? And like I I'm not going to give you like cheat codes or something. Yes. I don't remember for yeah. Sonic Three for yeah. Sonic Three. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And even when Wallace comes back, he's like, "Is this what happened when I sit when?" He's like, oh no, is this from what? Did you find out I saved over your file, Final Fantasy? No, last time that happened, you cried. Oh, yeah. Oh no, it's yeah. envy. Uh, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good, good Sonic references in the Scott Pilgrim books, which is one of the reasons why Ben and I love it so much, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So I, got, I, I didn't remember the Lucas Lee, oh, again, because I haven't read this book, book in a long time. Like, I, I, and I think it's just because I'm so in, in like in love with the movie. Like I thought there was way more Lucas Lee stuff, and like it's very much like oh he just goes and meets him at a park bench and they fight. Luke- I really like the adaptation in the movie better, if I'm being honest. But that comes from the source material thing. Yeah. Um, they get into some good conversation, but like I I I I was bringing so much movie knowledge into this reread. Where I'm like oh yeah they just talk to each other on a park bench and then they duke it out. I'm like oh yeah, very uh, nonchalant. Uh, 
so what I what I really like about Lucas Lee in the books is I do like that you know they they joke about it in the movie and and to do the turn on it where he, he's like no I'm kidding but here he's like yeah I have a cooler with some Gatorade and baby carrots and Ritz crackers <laughs> and they're like wow man that sounds so good and they sit there and they talk together yeah yeah and that's where Lucas Lee says that uh, Ramon cheated on him yeah, yeah um and like you can you can read into that as like uh, oh is he just saying that and like he's misinterpreting or is that truth of who Ramona is. Um, and I really like that you've got Kim and Wallace sitting on the side and Kim says, who does that remind you of? Yep. Wallace says, you know, maybe Scott and Ramona are actually a match made in heaven, which is a really important core part of what the yes. books are going to do, which yeah. is that there, there's a lot of the same problems and trauma going on for both of those characters. Before I even got to that panel, I was like, damn, this is like, this is just what Scott was doing. And then Kim says, Hey, this is what Scott's out. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Good parallel. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Hey, didn't Scott do that? Spoilers, he I did. Also, I also do really like uh, uh, Lucas Lee being like, all right, look, cool. You give me your money and I'll, I'll just let Gideon know that you beat me up, okay? Yeah. He's like, damn, you really are a sellout. And he's like, all right, kiss Ramona's sweet ass goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I thought all that was really good. And just while we're on the Lucas Lee bit, I also love him getting the Mithril skateboard at the end yes. as the item that he gets <laughs> from the fight. And then he's like, no, I can't even use this. Why didn't I pick that skateboard proficiency back in grade five? Pop, no. <laughs> very that's yeah very D D. like well oh, i can't use this weapon I'm yeah. not that's really good that's uh, yeah. yeah just i just love all the video game references in this book not just the sonic ones but all the, the video game-esque jokes um this is jumping way ahead but when scott gets an extra life it's just funny yeah yes uh yeah um i uh want to spotlight uh just jumping backwards in the book a bit um kim we get into Kim's dreams for the first time and Kim's dreaming about the funeral of Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Where everybody's like, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of sad, sort of. And Scott looks up at her. He's like, do you dream about this kind of thing often? Uh, and you <laughs> get to start to follow the day from Kim's perspective for a bit, which I thought was really good. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's a really strong window into like what's going on with Kim is that she literally dreams about Scott's funeral um, that's a deep, deep problem between them. <laughs> My name is Knives Chow, and I'm a Scottaholic. I like got me. Got me oh God! Uh, yeah. Also, I love the Luke Wilson jokes that continue did pop up in this volume. And then he meets him, like, "Wait, are you Lucas Lee? No, I'm Luke, Luke Wilson. Wilson." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me a break. Come on." <laughs> yeah, when he and when he meets Lucas, he's like Luke Wilson, and, yeah. he's, and he's like, "Oh, I screwed up." <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I love also. Um, I really like the the scene where. Oh, like I gotta I gotta research this guy that I'm gonna fight. So he watches a bunch of bad movies with Ramona. Uh uh, and I, that's just like really cute. Like, oh, do you want to do this? And Ramona's, Ramona's like, I don't mind, it's fine. We dated like a thousand years ago, it's not a big deal. I, I do like uh it here in the books, like Ramona being much more active participant in him preparing to face the exes. Yeah, yeah. And like yeah. it's something we converse about. It's like one of the only things they openly converse about. Um it doesn't feel so much like the movie. It's almost like a surprise every time a fight's going to happen. Whereas, like, no, I know, like, I have a scheduled date with this man for a fight. Let's train for it, like a rock, like a Rocky montage style. Watch right. all these bad movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, going back real quick to the breakup with knives. As I said, it comes later here than it did in the film. Um, I really like the way that Wallace uh, forces it on him. Um, I like that he tricks him at, with the bus and he's like, yeah, so you can't come home. I got stuff going on. He's like, uh, wait, what? But we are home. This is our stop. And he's like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, Scott. <laughs> you uh, suck. Yeah. Surprising no one. If, if bad was a boot, you'd fit it. And then like the bus is far around the corner. And it gets smaller a, and smaller. You're a stupid poo-poo head. 
I had sexual relations with your mother. That bus just keeps getting just shrinking. Bus gets smaller. The text gets smaller. Yeah, I love that. That was that was just hilarious. Um, Yeah, yeah. This whole bit right here, where it's just getting smaller and smaller as it's driving away. Although, I have to say. I'm just glad I could actually read the text because you know how sometimes it's just like the squiggly lines because they're so far yeah, away yeah. you can't make out what they're saying. I'm glad yeah. that you actually get to see all the all the yeah jokes. you can read every word. Um, Brian Lee O'Malley, uh, this is a I think this is just a great example to spotlight what I'm about to say. Um, he's so good at capturing really great emotions on pretty sim- simple on, faces on cartoon characters, basically. Like, yeah, the the emotion on Knives' face when Scott's ready to break up with her yeah is so oh, yeah i uh, just powerful. flipped that whole i just flipped that a whole scene right there because i was gonna spotlight it because like you get knives right here full of hope she's like oh i'm in love with you know be, being a 17 year old high school kid thinking like oh I, this is love i'm true the disney songs make sense and then scott immediately just destroying it it's it's such an interesting art style because like it's not quite like like an like anime manga. Like it's more like kind of like its own cartoony look, but like it it adapts like uh, manga sensibilities with like with, especially with the eye stuff. Like when people are like ooh wooing or something like that, or like a big expressional faces. Uh, he's really good. And again, like like I said, like for simplistic character designs, like you're able to get a lot of read into all of their emotions. Yeah, uh, and it's just he's it's a really talented guy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also, I want to spotlight his exceptional paneling, paneling, which the movie correctly like adapts and and tries to integrate. But yeah, the paneling when he's sitting on the bus um, and trying to forget about the look on Knife's face, and he's like, "Gotta shove that image out, put Ramona in. Yep. Uh, I'm over it. Everything's off fine." The bus whistling got, like, "Oh yeah, that's all good." Got my Wait. new girlfriend. Um, this isn't oh, yes. a movie Go here, at all. Scott. There's no, this isn't a movie at all, but it's, it's Scott bisexual. Oh, are you are you referencing the? He's yeah, kind of hot though. Like Lucas Lee, isn't he? And his and she's like, you're not convincing me that you're not gay, Scott. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, it's not like it's. I don't know how much this comes up in other volumes, but like, there's a little bit of like stuff with him and Wallace, where like they're like they've they have like a not. I'm not gonna say like they have a past, but like it's brought they have like kind of like a weird relationship how they how they like became friends and how they live together. It's right here, like, it's a it's a Kim's asking. Um, how did you end up living with that guy anyway? I'd rather not talk about it. Well, is it a really gay story? And he's like, the story is somewhat gay, yes. So, like, I'm not convinced, <laughs> again, like, further volumes might, like, disprove it, but, like, there might be a little, like, bisexuality to Scott. I'll say that there's nothing in the books that would call me out and write, a, like, a bisexual. Yeah, yeah. I will say that I think Brian Lee O'Malley does recognize sexuality as a spectrum, even at this point in time, and so doesn't feel like Scott can't. Uh, uh, at least play with the amount he's attract. He recognizes yeah, yeah, yeah. men as he can appreciate a hot dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. But I, but I don't think that like the intention is Scott's bisexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. but I, but Brian Lee O'Malley, just the the way he's talked about characters and politics and all these yeah, kinds yeah. of things, like I, I could quite believe that at the time he he knew sexuality was a spectrum and he was willing to play with it. Because like this, these books came out in like 2004, 2005, and like that's like. I don't remember me reading a lot of comic books that deal with this. Like, again, it's not, it's not like it's a complex ideal or anything, but like talking about having a man, like, yo, I think that dude's hot. Like, I don't remember reading that in many 2004 comic now, books. Now a different, a different <laughs> character is bisexual. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get into that later in the, in the comics. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, but, but I do think like, again, that's just Leo Malley being pretty aware that like sexuality can be 
mess around yeah, with. It's, it's progressive for like a book from like almost 20 years ago. A- absolutely. And it, it hurts true. to say this book's almost 20 years old. That's crazy. Another thing like I think is worth spotlighting is we've talked about how much Scott sucks um, and like he's a piece <laughs> of shit. Yes. Um, it's worth noting Brian Lee O'Malley writes a lot of really good female characters. Yeah. Like a oh, yeah. lot of strong uh, and I mean like strong in how they how clear their characterization is. Yeah. Um, really strong and clear uh, female characters that that all feel unique, all have depth and personality, and and all these kinds of things. Um, I have multiple favorites, uh, and and I think that's like he has just. I don't think there's a bad character in his wide cast of characters. I think they're all strong. Yeah. Um, but it, I do think it's worth the credit, especially again going back to at the time a male writer writing so many really wonderful female characters who are so front and center like it's not just ramona and knives and kim you've got julie you've got stacy yeah you've got um lisa you've got uh envy um and they you're right they all do have the same voices like i know i can i can tell like if, if you if you made it all again like black and white or like cover the faces like oh like yeah that's definitely julie because julie's kind of a heart kind of a hard bitch right or like oh that's definitely yeah. a sister or definitely uh or kim and like they're all very distinct yeah, yeah. um definitely worth a shout out there's there's a lot of things i love in volume two volume two does essentially work as like half the lucas lee story and then half build up for like volume three um yeah which which is really exciting i've been trying to flip through volume two to find it because a while ago we mentioned about how well brian lee o'malley draws people's eyes and how he gets expression across and he it's not like an extreme anime style where people like do like the shocked face you know their eyes go all big but this is one of my favorites, and one it's like when Envy calls and it's just hi, hi, hi Scott. Yeah. And it's one of Scott's, my and Scott's eyes just like shoot immediately open, and he's like, "Oh, um, that's a that's a great pull because obviously that's a huge moment in itself." Yeah. Um, but I do think it's like a really big and clear highlight of something Brian Lee O'Malley does really well. Uh, also, which is like he really knows when to use a negative space. Yes. Uh, and it's like, like pages of his, like his conversation and it's like nothing's happening because like Scott is like so shocked right now. Yeah, he's he's uh, so good at filling these environments. Like the pages are often full of so much stuff and thoughtful environment creation in the art. And so when he strips all that away for a plain color, it really stands out. And like he does that, like again, the small panel of, of Knives when... Scott is remembering what she looks like. It stands out because he's not picturing knives in the environment. He's picturing knives just in the black. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's a couple of other moments, like when they're going through the snow to find the door, like that negative space between Scott, Ramona, and the door is all, it's really striking. That's yeah. a big visual highlighted moment. That's another double page spread in volume one. And just as you put up, Ben, like the, the, the completely orange, which is also an interesting color choice, which I really like, but the completely orange spread, one simple small world word bubble, hi, Scott. And Scott's face does so much because of how Brian Lee O'Malley has used his environments up to that point. And then when he wipes it all away for a negative space, boy, does it punch. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really strong. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm not gonna, like this, what I'm about to say is not a negative, but like, it's a busy book. Like, it's like, there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of like paneling. So like, again, when, when, when you, when you juxtapose to like, just like one small like word bubble, like you really feel it. Like you really see it. Like you really like, it's really well done. Yeah, it's, I think Brian Lee O'Malley, like uh, for for being like the smaller indie comic creator that he was at the time that he was making Scott Pilgrim. Oh yeah, um, his capabilities with paneling 
Um, like even in the the piece I had up earlier when Kim's having her her dream and Kim's head and like this often happens, the character's head is overlaid over what you're seeing in the dream in the panels in the back. Uh, the way he uses the full space of the page and the way that he changes it up, it's it's really dynamic and it keeps the book moving and feeling alive. And it's and it's like it's it's not a. Uh... Well, it is a brisk read, but like, like the 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 how quickly you can, you can go through it, like it's like you don't even notice it. Like it's really well paced. Like it is a perfectly paced book. Like it's consistently funny, consistently dramatic. Uh, I never felt bored reading it or anything. Um, it's just like it's a really it's a really good package. And like when it ends, uh, like when volume one ends or when volume two ends, you're like, oh damn, I do want to keep reading this. Like it's 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 really good. And it's interesting that like because this is like an original graphic novel. Uh, but it's like it's like release like issue one, issue two kind of thing. But like these aren't the same length either. Each volume is a different length as well. So it's kind of just like, yo, here's this like here's chapter one of a book. It could be this, it could be short or it could be long. It's just like just enjoy the whole thing. And it's really cool that it's like this could have been like you know like nine, ten, twelve volumes. Like it could have been like a manga where it goes on forever. But like it's, it feels mm -hmm. like consistent with each story how long it needs to be. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly with that point. Yeah, um, also, what I love about these books is when I got to the end of it, even though I was like, okay, assign like air quotes for us, assign reading, we're doing volumes one and two. Cool, I can do that, no harm, no foul. Once I got to the end of volume two, I had to stop myself to go downstairs and pick up volume three and just to yeah. keep on going. Because it's like I yeah. gotta, I had to stop myself because this book is very, it's very bingeable. It's yes. very like once you start, you don't want to stop, especially sure. when you get to. I can only imagine how frustrated people who were picking this up when they were first coming out, like when they first picked up volume two or volume three, and then like the big cliffhangers or the big things happen at the end. They're like, okay, now I don't want to wait until volume the next volume. It's like, I, I want to keep reading. What is this bullshit? So I was, I was in the space of the volume six was not out when I finally got everything. And I was like, Oh mama, I need that book. Yeah. Um, it was bad. <laughs> And like, luckily it wasn't too far away, but I was like, I need this so bad. Please give me my drug. Um, I need that Scott Pilgrim book. Um, and it's it's really interesting that this is a really fast turnaround from being a comic into a movie. The comic wasn't even done. Like yeah. that's how good this book was. And I guess how successful it was that like, Edgar Wright's like, yo, like this book rules. I need people to know about this book. Uh, uh, it's like, you know, comic characters will go 60 years before they get an adaptation. Scott Pilgrim, uh, its final volume wasn't even out when the movie got made. And like, that's just yeah. like, that's really incredible. Yeah. Um, Edgar Wright clearly had like a real love and, and appreciation and passion for what Brian Lee O'Malley put on the page. Because I, I think he really taps into, in film language, what was being done in comic language. Like, yeah. the, 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 there's, there's a very co connected mind about that. And I do think like visually the film gets a bit weaker as it gets further away from what the comic was doing mm -hmm. uh because all of a sudden you feel like not not that the movie gets bad but like you feel when it stops being edgar wright adapting brian lee o'malley's vision and becomes edgar wright figuring it out on his own yeah, and yeah like trying to trying to capture the same style but like it's not the same um it's not the same as when he has the template of what brian lee o'malley did. thank god it's not like a game of thrones situation like, no. like that movie is still great all the way through. It's just like, you can tell that like a lot of like, especially the, like some of the villains, like they just don't get fleshed out anymore. 
Yeah. Like, like they just like get to a point where like, oh, I'm just gonna fight this dude. Don't even worry about who they are, really. But um, even just like, even just from like a paneling, like the way he was doing the transitions mm -hmm. and, and the panels, and he was like matching the comics, and like that all just kind of stops. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point in the movie, and and it stops because the template isn't there anymore. Because like, yeah. Now that you say that, like when I think about all the cool transitions, like whether it's a bus scene or like the NV scene when she calls him, like that is just the comic book. Yeah. Like there, it is straight up just like one to one for a lot of the great stuff. And you are right. Like that does kind of fade away in that last half of the, of the movie, despite still being a good movie, but that's a good point. Um, Edgar Wright has like a really great and capable style all his own. Yeah. That keeps things at a fast pace. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it still works with what he was doing with the movie, but like there is a, you, you will notice, I think, especially as you go through these books again and think about the movie, like you will notice that difference where like, and this is where it's switched into full, this is Edgar Wright having to decide the style and not Brian Lee O'Malley deciding the style yeah. anymore. Yeah, because Scott Pilgrim took a couple of years to get made. So like, I think volume five, I don't know if volume five was that. Volume no, I think it was only, only four. one through four. That yeah, definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, going back to what's in volume two, um, you've got uh, just another example of um, Scott staying away from talking about his past. Uh, he's literally telling Ramona that he doesn't even remember um, his high school girlfriend girlfriends which is really insulting in a, the very volume where you just saw lisa and kim yeah um, and that's him trying to sound like oh i'm a cool guy i had a lot of girlfriends i don't even remember all of them like yeah Scott, yeah you don't need to be doing this it's 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 really off-putting and it's really again like that that turned off emotion turned off empathy kind of thing yeah um we get uh ramona has her cat gideon yeah um mm. uh which R scott jokes about is he named after your secret other boyfriend in new york oh little giddy uh <laughs> little gideon uh yeah that that little stinker is gonna be something um some other stuff i want to highlight i really like uh scott's talking to uh julie yeah and um He's so like Julie's giving him shit for like how he can be a complete ass and that she told him not to go out with Ramona, how he's going to screw her up and she, like she's been through enough and all this kind of stuff. And Scott's just like 100% in his own space, 100% in his own head. Um, and all he's focused on is like, oh God, um, Stacy and Ramona are hanging out. Is Stacy going to rat me out yeah. for my cheating? Oh no, oh no, oh no. And oh, then no, am and I gonna also, get in trouble for my actions? And then also, like, he needs to figure that out and resolve it, and he needs to go find them. And then he's like, I'm gonna play Sonic 3. What the heck was I doing? Yeah, I can't deal with this right now. Uh, and so thus Ramona is out and gets uh jumped by knives, which again, like another cool world building thing is where Ramona's like, yo, hold on just a second. Snap <laughs> and it breaks the floor. Yeah, you can't just break shit, Ramona. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, that's a line where I'm uh my name is Knives Chan. I'm a Scottaholic. I'm like, that's a fun little, a fun little fight. I also she keeps calling her fat, you fat ass white girl, and I'm like, you're so funny, Knives. <laughs> she's, she's just a normal lady. You're yeah. just jealous. Yeah. Um, I really like this. is a This is a really strong moment in the book. I think where Knives recognizes Ramona from earlier uh, oh, at the yeah. library, mm -hmm. and she pictures Ramona with this evil smirk looking at her, which definitely didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. And nope. uh, but it is also like Knives realizes scott was cheating on her yeah um she realizes it all on her own right there and i think that's really good um i think that's a really good turn and as always like whenever somebody gets cheated on like unless the person the other person the other person is actually like a dirtbag who was involved in it like the other person is not the person you should be fighting with it's the boyfriend or, or girlfriend that was cheating on you right. not that person that they were cheating you with yeah. uh and that's just like a thing of like oh you just guys are like you guys are pointing your anger at the wrong people in multiple yeah. for multiple characters 
Yeah, the, the way um, Knives sees it, because obviously she's still head over heels for Scott, and she thinks Scott can do no wrong, even though she realizes he cheated on me, but her anger is directed towards the girl, towards Ramona, because in her brain, Ramona is the reason Scott cheated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's not Scott being which, which is, to, yeah. to Knives' credit, she's 17. No, like, yeah, that's yeah. a very, like, uh, her her emotional responses at least are, like, rational in the sense of like her age compared to scott like her her responses to things are very fair yeah um for who she is and again scott's whole thing is like oh my god is my new girlfriend gonna find out that i cheated on her with my other girlfriend and and especially when she's doing like the naive defense of him Mm -hmm. um and saying like he would never do that he's such a sweet guy yeah uh all that kind of stuff like it's very much colored by that teenager perspective yeah what she thinks as i was saying it's a very much a high schooler teenager reaction where you don't get mad at the person who did the deed you get mad at the person who they did the deed with yeah right yeah and that's like i because i'm sorry i just got flashbacks of my own of drama class and other friends who are talking discussing high school drama where they like oh so and so cheated on me with this other person and then they go to the other person and like tp their house or some stupid thing like that you know to try to get back at them because like you took my boyfriend or my girlfriend away from me it's like dude Go to the person who cheated on you. They're the real scumbag here. As a, as a person who's been cheated on more than I wish I had in my life, let me tell you, the correct answer is you get mad at both. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's a, uh, yeah, as someone who, yeah, I've, I've got cheated on before. So yeah, get mad at both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, neither, don't pick either side. They're both wrong. Um, yeah. Uh, again, talking about Brian Lee O'Malley's paneling and, and Edgar Wright recreated it, the, the Envy Adams conversation on the phone. You get a lot of the little panels with the the, uh, the camera roll, the photo booth photos of when she was Natalie. I think that's all very, very sweet. Ben brought up the moment earlier when Wallace comes home and finds out Envy called, which I think is really good. Like there, There's an acknowledgement of like, even people who know Scott's a shitty person, there is a judgment of like what Natalie did to Scott mm-hmm. and how it affects Scott. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm super excited for us to talk about how that gets flushed out in the rest of the book. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's also a buildup. Like his parents talk about how it's like, Hey, it's been over a year since, uh, since, uh, and since Natalie and Scott always cuts him off. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I don't, don't want to talk it. about that. They, they always mention like, Oh, we Scott's had a really big breakup with this one girl that he was head over heels with, and she was the one who ended it, and yeah. it messed him up. Not to say that excuses any of Scott's actions uh, henceforth. It sure as hell doesn't. But no. at the but at the same, but it also gives to light is like oh, so this probably just like amplified his being a douchey or his yeah. douchiness even more. Yeah, and it is, and like it is important to note that like Scott went a while being single post envy and then and then dates knives mm-hmm. um and y- you're right like you know this isn't an excuse for scott but there is like damage was done like people people were hurting each other there yeah um and we're going to explore that in future books but like uh i think that the crumbs about envy and natalie and like what's up and and how that affects scott and and how that could affect her uh is really well built into this volume i really like uh in the book that it's that it's envy who calls scott and gives him the gig me too uh, i think I that's, like that that, too. that's a, a I, I didn't i forgot uh that's what happened from the adaptation uh and that makes it even more worse yeah. in a way because like she's clearly goading him and she's like what i can be jealous i hear you have a new a new girlfriend uh envy's also a shitty person 
And it's just like shitty people create shitty people who hurt other people. And it's like, oh man, like Scott, maybe you just need to move, bro. He's <laughs> like, go to America or something. Uh, I love the the Clash of Demon Head stuff. Like, man, well, I, what iconic, awesome designs. Like, what a cool band. Like, the first time you see Envy, I'm like, damn, like, that is a cool lady. I, especially they have her, uh, the, is it the drummer? Yeah. The cyborg drummer? Yeah, yeah. Um, she's in the movie, but, like, you just kind of blink and you see her and then you she's gone. Yeah. Um, like, they, they recreate the design, but they have no room for the character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Going back to how Brian Lee O'Malley does does women really well, uh, when they're talking about the gig, Kim is sitting on the couch and she she brings up like Envy, oh your ex girlfriend, and Kim's talking and no one's listening to her, but she says, "I saw her on the cover of Now. She's pretty and she's closing in on herself, getting self conscious all yeah. over again." Um, again, like kind of a trauma thing reactivated for her because as we kind of allude to, and I think it, it makes sense, you know Kim is going to follow Scott to Toronto and guess who he's going to be dating instead of Kim at that point in time. Word. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of self-consciousness baked into that. And I think that's all written really well. And then isn't it, it's in the book where like Kim also like she shows up there and she's like wearing high heels and yes. she's all dolled up too yes. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, everyone's like, holy shit, Kim's, mm -hmm. Kim's in high heels. Yeah. Um, uh, which is also in that moment where you meet Joseph, uh, who's the boyfriend of her coworker Holly. Oh uh, yeah, and I love Joseph because yeah, Joseph roommate, will be yeah. silent, uh, and then he'll say like just some hard shit, and then this is Joseph yeah. the whole time. It's like all Joseph will do is just kind of stare, and he'll say the hardest thing. <laughs> and so in this context, it was uh, uh, talking about the bass player, which is Todd. I haven't seen him. Is he hot? I don't know. Is he hot, Joseph? And Joseph just looks away, and then he says. He is as hot as the flames of the hell you bitches are going to. <laughs> and Joseph, Joseph is great. Joseph is a great side character. He shows up more? I don't remember at all. He does. Okay, Joseph, cool. we no, he see does. Joseph again. He no. pretty much, he shows up in pretty much the same amount in context at the time. <laughs> just drops a banger. Just, yes, he just, just kind of to be there and like say some, some deep, deep shit. Um, yeah, like Joseph it. is like the silent type who only speaks when he has something really good to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Other on. than that, he's quiet 90% of the time. Um, We get the moment where Knives finds out that Scott used to date Envy, which she didn't know before in her big what-the-hell reaction, which is really great. Uh, this one right here. <laughs> Don't they just yep. literally like take that and like put that on Knives' face in the movie, I feel like? Uh, they put the emoji, the emoji reaction okay. over her. Yeah, they yeah. blur her actual face out and put the emoji reaction, really which cute. is also just as effective yeah, yeah. Uh, in the context of its medium of film. I love it. Um, I want to, before we talk about the end of this volume, I do want to go back a little bit and spotlight what I kind of forgot. And like in this was the first time reading this bit where I thought more about it. Um, what it is, is this time, it's Scott is telling... Ramona uh how he doesn't remember much of the year that he and Envy broke up mm -hmm. um and he, he's doing his still like uh Ramona asks why were you wasting he says no I don't drink and she's like oh yeah sure um which is the thing that's already been brought up about Scott is is everyone's like oh right yeah but Scott definitely drinks um <clears throat> and he says my memory of that year is hazy and she's like did you graduate he's like I don't remember whatever but the important part is that he's like my real, mem my first real memory is that there was this restaurant that opened way out on Queens West. You remember some uh. restaurant better than your last year of college? And he's <laughs> like, no, but like, you gotta listen. It was my favorite restaurant. And I ate there like five times a week and I tried to get a job there for months. And then I finally did. And she's like, you're totally making this up. <laughs> free food, my favorite food free. And a week after I got the job, literally the seven days, the place got shut down by the DOJ for selling drugs or money laundering or some other bad type of thing. 
And that the Gilded Palace of Flying Burritos. I love the name of that place. Now there's there's two important things to that, which is one that like this this accentuates like Scott's ambivalence and apathy about getting another job. Mm-hmm. Um, like that that's definitely baked into the to the way he feels in connection to that. Like he finally got a good thing after Envy, and then he got slammed down again. Yeah. But more importantly, and something I never caught before, this is the first time Scott actually tells a story about his past to Ramona. And Ramona doesn't believe it's real. Yeah. Which is really important. And I never really thought about that, the fact of like, because it's all played for comedy that Ramona's just like, you're making this up. This is the saddest thing. You're crazy. Uh, I didn't really think about the fact that this is the first time that Scott shares something real from his past and Ramona totally doesn't take it seriously. Uh, this could just be me, me reading into it, being an ex-alcoholic. Do you think that that year he doesn't remember, he was like just going hardcore, being real sad and drinking a lot, and that's why he doesn't remember? I mean, there definitely was drinking involved. I won't say that like that's the only reason. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, of course. I think it's also that Scott does literally mind whole things on purpose yeah, yeah. Um, to not think about them anymore. And so I think it's a combination. Okay. But like we know Scott was drinking a lot at the mm-hmm. time. As people who have read the books, we know that that's going to come up that Scott was drinking during that time. He's not just drinking Coke oh, Zero yeah. or whatever, Diet Coke. Nope. Nope. Yeah, he's he, not- he uh, very much lies about like, and 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 like, also something he puts in a mind hole. I'm not really, like, I, I don't drink. He and, puts like, it in his mind but he doesn't. But he does, he said, so like, he says now, like, I don't drink. But he doesn't talk about the fact that like, I don't drink anymore or anything like that. Yeah. He has turned it into, I don't drink because yeah, yeah. I never drank. Because I don't want to think about the time that I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like that's the person who Scott is. Is he's like, I don't like that thing about myself. I'm gonna throw it down the hole and never think about it. Again. Yeah, I'm just gonna repress it. But there's so many of those things in his life that he's turned into that. That he's he genuinely has like, I do think the inter- some of the comic interpretation that Leo Brian Lee O'Malley is going for is that Scott is a person. You know, there's a lot of fantastical things in this world. Scott is a person who has legitimately messed up his memory by emotionally doing this to Mm, himself yeah that makes sense. like there are Mm. things that scott like doesn't want to talk about and he wants to ignore and there are genuinely things that scott was so painfully hurt by he shoved them away to the point where he literally doesn't remember them yeah i mean that's what that's 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 a real that's a real last thing too yeah um i wanted to highlight because this is also a recurring joke that that happens really well uh which is where um they're at the clash of demon head uh show and uh julie says um uh in reference to this band sucks that's what they'll be saying about you on sunday and scott says at least i wait something you insult and ramona says scott that was not a good com comeback and steven <laughs> still is over there like that actually was not bad for scott for scott that's like, that's like a nine out of ten <laughs> scott is terrible at comebacks and i love whatever it's in the it was almost a complete sentence the story um yeah no i'm luke wilson no, I'm Luke Wilson, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love it. The Luke Wilson joke. Uh, and yeah, volume two ends at like a really like really great point where I'm like, I just I just want to continue reading. Cause it's like it's right when the concert's starting and you meet Envy and like Todd and like, oh that's Todd. That is the guy that that I dated. Uh and it's like, see you next week. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's gonna be longer than a week. Mm-hmm. Uh I just remembered I wanted to go back to um the convo? Yeah, the convo uh, between Envy and Scott real quick, which is uh, in that convo, um, Scott's, uh, she says, what, like, do I have ulterior motives or something? Am I a user? Which is something Scott said earlier when he yeah. was challenging Kim, I think. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Or Stacy. Um, and uh, 
And Scott says, you're such a user. It's not like I have to ask. And this is, it's it, there's an important parallel that always, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley is doing this a couple of times. There's another, I, I can't immediately find the picture, but there's another part where in the first volume, Scott is accused of stuff by Kim. And he says, I'm, I'm offended, Kim. Wounded, Wounded the, and this gets this gets brought up again by another character, like again paralleling these emotions in each other. That like, it's not because they heard the same thing; it's because the same thing is happening to that person at that moment. They're living in the same emotional space, and uh, Scott's doing that here with Envy, where where he's saying, "You are a user," and this yeah. is he questions that the same way Envy's questioning that about herself uh, in that moment to bring that up. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what, uh, uh, the, when I was reading volume one and, and uh, you're a user, for some reason I read it as uh, you're an usher. And I was like, that must be some Canadian thing. I don't know. And then it came back in volume two as a user. I'm like, Oh, I just read that word wrong. I have no context until now. I'm like what the hell is an usher? I'm not going to look it up. Like so is usher Raymond our singer. Like what? Like, yeah. Um, and, young Neil. And the last thing is a uh, young Neil with knives at the show. And I love Steven just being like, did she seduce Neil? <laughs> oh yeah, Scott dated Knives briefly, and then like Neil's gonna date her even more briefly, or or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. The humor in these books is just it's top notch. Um, it holds up, like really, like it's 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 it takes place at a specific time, but like I feel like even like from decades from now, like it's still gonna be a really funny, really poppy book. Yeah, uh, it's just it is. Yeah, it's really it's really clever. It's a really clever book. Um. I I know I know where the books are going uh, pretty intimately, and um, I will say like just spotlighting what I love about book two is um, while it, we lose Lucas Lee fairly uh, early, the buildup for the Envy and Todd stuff is so crucial and core to the rest of the story, mm -hmm. um, both backwards and forwards for multiple characters. Uh, I really appreciate that volume two gives it proper buildup because volume three you're gonna you'll see does a lot mm -hmm. uh and i'm super excited to get into it but like it, it's very meaty and i and i don't think it would work as well if you didn't have some of the time to build into it in volume two yeah and volume any other thoughts on volume two? Oh, volume two is great um yeah. it has it has well, i think what i love most about volume two is that we get more into scott's past like, I mean, this is going to be a theme throughout the rest of the uh, the rest of the run. But looking back into what happened to Scott, like one of the reasons why I wanted to go into Volume Three right after I put down Volume Two was to get those like what exactly happened because I do know what happens, but it's been a while since I last read these books, so my memory's faded a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what exactly happened? And I wanted, and now that I'm older, I want to pick up on the more subtle details that I never picked up last time. Because last time I picked up things, like, oh, Envy's just a bitch. Okay, cool. Yeah. And now right. it's like reading into this and like, okay, so maybe there's, I mean, yeah, she has, maybe there's some drama, maybe there's some other, some other stuff, not to psychoanalyze her or anything, but there's always more going on. And I know this is only volume two, but this buildup is there and I want to get into it. And I do think the buildup was great. Like, um, even later on, the, seeing the buildup or not the buildup but the relationship between scott lisa and kim that comes to a head much later down the line yeah. and a lot of the stuff it it makes me realize how much i love this book i mean while i do like the, all that the anime the video game references it's it is a story about growing up but it also it also shows that all the mistakes, like the major mistakes you thought you got rid of, 
some way or or you thought you left behind in some way shape or form they may come back to haunt you and you have to reconcile with them there are good ways to reconcile which is having a one-on-one talk and being like look this is how i was feeling back then or realizing that you were a jerk the whole time and you were in the wrong or something completely different and it's like maybe they they were in a complete and all you needed was closure there's just all these and just like uh sparks you said brian lee o'malley writes these women so well they're not just one note they're not i mean they all have their shtick like kim is a is not the depressive one but she's the cynical one Ramona's like, eh, I'm just gonna do my own thing. Stacy's a little bubbly. Julie is Julie, <laughs> but there's there's always more to them. And they're yeah. not just one note. They all have death. They all have they all have lives essentially. And that's what I love most about this book is while the book is called Scott Pilgrim, I care more about the characters than I do Scott Pilgrim. I care more about Ramona. I care more about Wallace. Oddly enough. I care more about seeing the lives of of Kim, of Stacy, of um, oh god, even Envy, Natalie. When we see her, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. what did you do? Like, as when I was first reading this, and I got to the end of issue two or volume two, excuse me, I'm like, what did you do? Because even though it happened in high school for me, there was also a breakup that I went through that I did not take very well, mm-hmm. and it really hit home for me i was like oh is this kind of like what happened to me in a way in some like seven degrees of kevin bacon sort of way yeah and i what what is really interesting about the book like if you don't know anything about it or the movie and you just look at like the cover of scott pilgrim it's like deceiving how like emotionally intelligent the book is yes and like how how rich Mm -hmm. like you just look at the first level like you think it'll be like oh it's gonna be like a what like a fun kung fu book and like it is that, but it's also really smart and it has a lot of heart and like it, it, it challenges like real things adults go through and, but not in like a cheeky, like comic way. It's like, no, we're really going to talk about this shit while also having fun and big comic book battles. Like it's, it's a really cool, like, it's why I love comic books. It's like comic books can be so much, so many different things. Uh, uh, they look one way, but can be presented in a different way. And it's just like, it's a really, it's a really great book. Yeah. Um, as, as a major fan of the, this book series, like, uh, it, it it very much to me holds up with with strong literature pieces that are about coming of age, mm-hmm. um, things like uh, Paper Towns or or Perks of Being a Wallflower, Looking for Alaska, these kinds of things. Um, Scott Pilgrim, I feel like, plays in those same veins. It just happens to be in the comic medium. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think Brian Lee O'Malley's uh, world and story and characters are are exceptional. Uh, and I I'm so excited for us to go through the rest of it because I think it's I think it's just wonderful. It's obviously uh, foundational for a lot of other pieces of media that that have been inspired by it um uh and i do mean di- like directly now we've got the the new anime show um but we had the video game and the movie um which are both i think wonderful as adaptations mm-hmm. uh, and interpretations of this story but um oh yeah i i i love like it all stems from this and and what brian lee o'malley did especially as you pointed out like at the time is stunning mm-hmm. yeah like if, if this book came out like literally like yesterday, it there's like it, it would feel perfect. Like it, there's like, but obviously besides some dated specific references from like the two thousands, like this is a very like still a very modern book, a very progressive book. Like it like if this were published today, like it would still be just as good in my opinion. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent agree. Uh, uh, yeah, and I and I very much agree with your point, Ryan. That like it it it's far more 
emotionally intelligent than what it looks like on the surface. Yeah, it's deceiving uh, almost with how like how like oh wow like we're really going for it in this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, I think that'll do it. Uh, I I loved this. I love going back to these books because it's exactly for that stuff where it's like uh, for you where it's like I don't even remember Lisa. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> and I haven't read the last few volumes, so like that's gonna be literally new comics for me. So it might as well have came out yesterday. So. I'm so I'm when, so thrilled. Uh, yeah. No, I was going to say, when I saw Comic Drake's video about Scott Pilgrim, and obviously the show came out, uh, we are going to talk about the show eventually. Um, and the way that Drake was talking about things about the books, is like, I'm actually really glad we're going to be doing a book club reading of these books again. Yeah, Because it got it's like, it got me thinking, it's like, oh yeah, when I first read those, I was in my mid-20s. I was almost Scott's age. I was pretty close. I was like maybe three or four years older than he was in the book. Yeah. And I'm like, what has changed? Like, I mean, I'm in my, thir- I'm 33 now. What's changed? What's different? I let me reread these books. And now that we are doing this, it's like, oh yeah, this is, now we could talk about it. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't notice this the last time I read it. Cause it has been a while since I like really sat down and read these books and I'm really excited we're doing this. So yay. Yeah. Like watching the movie, I think it came out my, my senior year of high school or junior, I don't remember, but like I was a teenager. Right. So like, I didn't pick up on all the nuances of the movie. And then I read the comic a couple years later, but I am Scott Sage. So I'm still a stupid kid. Right. And now literally a decade later, now I'm in my thirties and I'm like, Oh man, there's a lot of really good shit in here. Like I really like, it might not like uh, seem so initially, but like, like we talked about this whole, whole, uh, 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 what are these called episodes? Sorry, I'm sleeping. Uh, this <laughs> yeah. whole episode, I'm like, man, there's a lot more nuance than than like. Not that I didn't get credit for it, I never realized because I was too young. I was I was in the Scott Pilgrim mindset, but now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh man, he's doing a lot of really great like subtle work here through through this comic book. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm really excited for us to do it. Uh, I'm excited for Brandon to be able to join us for the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get some of his thoughts on on volume one and two, uh, just to jump us in, and then we'll go through volumes three and four. And for those uh, following with us on Pickner Book Club, we will be doing three and four as a couple. But we, uh, Ben and I, know volume five and volume six are rather beefy and meaty. They're meaty so, uh, There's they're, a lot of they got going on there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. A lot for us to talk about. So those two will be split into their own individual episodes. Love it. Um, they got so some chunk to them. Yeah, they do. Uh, So we'll be doing that and we'll see you again for that next time. We're also still uh, going to have Ryan's two Doctor Doom volumes. Oh, I thought you were We're also playing the game, but we're not. Oh, no, I I was going to say for Fake Nerd Book Club, we are Uh, still doing Ryan's uh, two Doctor Doom volumes. Expect that to be our next Fake Nerd Book Club episode uh, to come out. Um, We're still excited to do that for our rotations. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, yes, in Scott Pilgrim content, this is our first Scott Pilgrim release. We are doing it all. We're going to be playing the video game together. We are going to be doing a film review uh, revisit for ourselves, and we are going to talk about the new show. Um, we're doing all the Scott Pilgrim things across all the mediums, and they're all good. Yeah. What they're a all great, good. what a great month we're about to have! All maybe like the best adapted thing ever made. <laughs> it might honestly, be. I don't, I don't want to get into it now, but one of the things I cannot wait to talk to you guys about is this is the television show. I don't know much about it except for like some some like early stuff like hey it's not like it's not what you think it is and yeah. like I'm very hey excited. um I'll flat out say it I love that show hell yeah that's great I absolutely love that show I I'm excited to have another Scott Pilgrim thing I love yep. so um we'll we'll be doing all that uh check out our other stuff fake nerds watch uh we got still some of our strike stuff trickling out and we are currently covering Monarch and Invincible over on that feed uh we've got some movie reviews coming out before the end of the year we've got some other plans in the works uh that we're hoping to get out before the end of the year or just after we start the new year so 
Uh, check it all out, thinknerdpodcast.com. You can follow us, like, subscribe, please. We love that. Um, do all that stuff. We got a Patreon again. The website has links for everything, so you can go check it out or check out just what's in our YouTube channel here. Heck yeah. Uh, ben, where can people find you? Well, they could find me uh, still getting, still recovering from COVID-19, yay, at uh, BenMagna27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein and Dean Dark, which at the time of this recording, a new episode's coming out tomorrow morning, so woo! So excited. Uh, and Ryan, where can they find you? You could find me uh, taking off at DJ Tony Snark all over the internet. That's so true. And yeah, you can find me just uh, fretting over my precious little life at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. And until I next had time. Thing, I should have had a pun where I said I was taking on the, I was like, it's Ben Magnet versus the world. <laughs> well, there you go. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, all right. We'll see you next time. And until then, stay fake nerds. <laughs>